Hey Jeepers, on episode 231, we'll hear about the six million Jeeps ever to be made and how FCA is breaking an all-time sales record. Later, I'll be talking about the Jeep Mama approved way to get into your lifted Jeep. We're going high tech with lighting on your virtual Jeep build. We'll hear from the mind of Nikki G and John is back with an all new Radiocom tech. Amazon U-Bot What is also back. We've got a voicemail to share as well. Tony will be talking LEDs. Tammy will be talking Lyft. And I'll be lucky to talk about my Jeep at all on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. LT Wright knives are handcrafted in Ohio with the finest locally sourced materials. They build everything from everyday carry to bushcraft and even overland specific. Everything that LTWK builds comes with a lifetime guarantee and is designed from the ground up to be a solid working knife. Find out more online at ltwrightknives.com. That's L-T-W-R-I-G-H-T, knives.com. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler. Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back. Strap in. And brace First week in G. It's the six millionth, millionth with a B, Jeep that's ever been produced. Despite last week's reports of a global steering wheel shortage, as far as you all are concerned, I had nothing to do with. Fiat Chrysler Automobiles Jefferson North factory is celebrating a significant achievement this week as its six millionth vehicle rolls off the assembly line. The milestone vehicle was a Jeep Grand Cherokee 75th anniversary edition, a dark granite crystal gray one to be exact, outfitted with 3.6 liter Pentastar V6. The model is an appropriate choice as the factory's first vehicle was a 1993 Grand Cherokee produced in 1992. Nice to see some things come full circle like that. Now here's some useless trivia you can impress your friends with next time you're out BSing around the campfire. In the last 24 some odd years, the plant has built enough vehicles to circle the globe one and a half times. Well, you learn something new every day, don't you? Jefferson North is among three FCA manufacturing facilities located in Detroit, complementing the Dodge Vipers Connor Avenue assembly plant and the Mack Avenue engine complex. Employs nearly 4,500 workers spread across, check this out, 3 million square feet. How'd you like to sweep that floor? Just last year alone, the factory produced over 365,000 vehicles, indicating strong demand for the Jeep brand, and rightly so, I might add. Nearly a quarter of the production volume was exported to 135 different global markets. Jeep is looking like it's going to have another record year this year, with sales up by 70%. Record Jeep volume and minivans help keep the streak alive. In May, FCA had its 74th consecutive month of year-over-year sales gains. Record Jeep volume and a surge in minivan sales helped Fiat Chrysler squeak out a 1.1% U.S. sales gain. Talk about hitting the goal by the skin of your teeth. Jeep hit an all-time monthly sales record in May, topping 90000 for the first time in its 75-year history. Sales of the Compass and Renegade more than doubled, while sales of the Patriot rose 19%. Minivan sales also climbed sharply in May for FCA from a year ago when the company's minivan plant was just returning to production after a 100-day shutdown to retool for the 2017 Chrysler Pacifica. Dodge Grand Caravan sales were up 75 or 76% last month, while Chrysler Town & Country sales rose 49% from a year ago. Sales of the Pacifica rose to $24.95 in its second month of the U.S. market as its rollout to U.S. dealerships continues. Look, all I'm hearing is you people need to stop having so many kids. I bet companies like Trojan and Durex are scrambling to try and figure out what's going on with their own sales <laughs> and why. I know why. <laughs> but I digress. 
This is indeed a stunning achievement because not only did Jeep make automotive sales history by breaking a 75-year record, but a 2016 calendar year with two fewer selling days stung many of FCA's brands. That's right, guys. Just two fewer business days can make all the difference in the world. Big thanks to all of you guys out there who each and every week submit stories for This Week in Jeep. If you guys have a response to any one of our stories or you got something you think we should be reporting on, by all means, send us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. Trojan and Durex, huh? Well, yes. you know, it's, I think I find it interesting because one is about automobiles where the rubber meets the road. Uh, okay. <laughs> not, um, what's not that? Quite. Moving on. <laughs> if it is, you're doing it wrong. Kelly? Kelly? <laughs> Voice of Jeep. And the other is where the rubber should be meeting. <laughs> anyway. That's spelled M-E-A-T. <laughs> See, I wasn't going there. Oh, I actually stopped before I got to that point. But Josh had to go there. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, you started, I finished it. See, this is what happens when I don't have anything to do, I think. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the thinning around here. Uh, so anyway, uh, what, what does it always say? That's enough of that. <laughs> You're listening to Jeep Talk Show, the number one Jeep podcast. At my mom's house. What's up, guys? I'm Kobe. And I'm Jason. From Morgan Trail Off-Road. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show. You've heard of Jeep Hair Don't Care, right? Well, I'm here talking with people who do. Care, that is. Welcome to Jeep Hair, we care. I am here with one of my favorite people on the planet, somebody I'm very proud to know and call family, my father-in-law, Pete Buttrick, a former maintenance sergeant on B-52s for the United States Air Force. Pete, what do you care about? Well, I care about the veterans in this country, particularly the disabled veterans. I'm a volunteer driver and I take them from a clinic in Athens, Georgia, over to hospital appointments in Augusta, Georgia. We wait there for them till their appointments are over, and then we drive them back to Athens to their homes. That's really great. Hey, thanks for watching Jeep Hair We Care. Here's some more information. Coming up on in Wrangler Talk, three easy steps to what? <laughs> you will just have to stay tuned to find out. Oh, I you want to know tease. now. <laughs> just have to wait. Stay tuned. Keep listening. I don't know what's going on with you, Tammy, from the let's check out my rear segment to these it's, teasing it's, things. It's just, it stems from my television background. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah that's right. We yeah. have to keep the viewers interested into the newscast. So it's that same mindset. You were uh, you you were an assignment editor, weren't you? Or? Yep, I started out actually. I was a reporter slash photographer. I was a one man band, and then I was assignment editor. Oh, how do you keep the the big drum on your back? Is that a, a strap of some sort or the big drum? Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different one man band. That's probably yeah, what it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, I did have <laughs> battery belts strapped around my belly. <laughs> Josh and a big. Josh doesn't know how he got involved in this <laughs> or why he's just been here, here for years. Yeah, he's like, like, no, 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 moving right along. <laughs> That's your line. All right, speaking of moving along, uh, so I want to tell you guys about uh, the Jeep Talk Show, which, of course, you're listening to or watching on YouTube. But, well, if you're watching us on YouTube, we want you to know that the Jeep Talk Show is also available in audio-only format. 
great to listen to while commuting, working out at the gym, or taking care of chores at the house. Uh, subscribe via iTunes, tuned in, or Stitcher, and never miss an episode. Good God, why the hell would you want to miss an episode? It's a rhetorical question. Yes, very good, valid question, actually. Because there's, <laughs> I can't think of a good answer, honestly. But hey, I can think of something that you guys should be doing regularly and often. That's subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you haven't done so, make sure you do so, guys. Little red button down there at the bottom on the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Jeep Talk Show, and be sure and subscribe. Be sure and tell a friend. And hey, guys, guess what? Every hundred subscribers, we get a cookie. And you guys know how much I like cookies. Cookie. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Hey, we could use all the numbers we can get. Yes. Hey guys, uh, we want you guys to subscribe. Another reason to subscribe to our various feeds to make sure that you don't miss out on a single thing that we um, that we release. Like, for instance, our bonus interviews with industry professionals, fellow wheelers, and more. Uh, recently, we uh, released a couple of interviews. They've done quite well as far as downloads go, guys. We've got a couple more scheduled and a couple more coming up here in the very near future. If you don't want to miss out on the stuff like that that's not a part of the regular show, well, then you have to subscribe to our feeds that way, you're not going to miss things like our bonus releases. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? What are you talking about, man? Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? I got no idea what the heck. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Get out of my face, yo. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? No clue. And where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at jeeptalkshow.com. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? We want to know. Please give us a call at uh, 530-675-4102 and let us know where you listen to the Jeep Talk Show. Uh, it doesn't have to be true. Uh, we prefer funny. Uh, em- embellished is fine. <laughs> the wilder and the crazier, the better. Now, something we all look forward to each and every week, and that's hearing from the mind of Nikki G. I like it more. Hey, this is Nikki G, and uh, Memorial Day has come and gone. I forgot to give a thank you to the men and women of our armed forces. So I'd like to say thank you. And I'd like to also extend that thank you to the first responders, uh, police, fire department, and paramedics, and just about anybody else who uh, voluntarily serves the community. All except for animal control. You SOBs Uh better leave my dog alone. You call it running around without a leash. We call it on patrol. And since Sir Crapslot has been on patrol, there has been no recorded zombie attacks, no vampire Mm -hmm. attacks, and no werewolf attacks. And alien anal probing has been down 20%. So uh, leave him alone. How about getting him a medal or something? And uh, he's working hard getting to the bottom of who's been knocking over Miss Swanson's trash can. Uh, he'll figure it out. All right, guys. Girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. I thought anal, anal, ah, anal probing was always up. I guess maybe it just depends on your position. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be one of those about nights. A prerequisite Walmart, yada, yada. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Jeepers, we love hearing from all you guys out there. So be sure and call our voicemail, 530-675-4102, or jump over to our website, jeeptalkshow.com, and leave us a message through our little online voicemail thingamajigger right there. <laughs> What's that called? It's called uh, SpeakPipe. Speak there we yeah. go. Brain farting on that. Well, hey, 
We've got a voicemail this week in response to a voicemail that we had last week about a tip for driving in heavy traffic. One uh, person had suggested to uh, put it in four low, just let off the gas, let the engine do the rest of the work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a couple um, things to say about that. We actually had somebody else here call in and uh, give us some, uh, give us their two cents about this very same thing. Yeah, it's uh, Josh six ten Bob. I'm not. I don't think he's quite sure what his name should be. (laughs) Hi, Josh here, aka six ten Bob. You had a listener say that he was engaging full drive low on tarmac. This made me cringe. While your front and rear axles are the same ratio, there are always minute differences. Not only do manufacturing tolerances change the ratio slightly, but wear will affect it too. This means that your rear axle will turn slightly more or less than your front. Off-road, there isn't enough traction for this to make a difference. On-road, there's enough traction for this to be a problem. The difference can cause a lot of stress on your U-joints, transfer case, well, basically your whole drivetrain. This can lead to parts wearing out prematurely or even catastrophic failure if your tires have enough grip. Side note, this is one of the reasons why I am installing a Dana 60 from an F-250 into my Jeep. This axle has auto-locking hubs. So a simple solenoid would give me two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive low at the flip of a switch. The Dana 30 and YJs can also do this. They are a locking axle, so a solenoid or a push-pull cable can give you a four-wheel drive and two-wheel drive low option. Well, um, I will say this, and just because I've read it on the internet, God doesn't mean that it's right. I know this, but uh, I've actually read that you can use 410 and 411 gears, and they're close enough. So I can't help but think that the wear and tear on gears are going to be so uh, minuscule in difference that, well, let's put it this way, boys and girls, it's, it's metal against metal with lubrication. It's going to, there's going to be some wear. Uh, I don't know that the, the gentleman that had called in last week, I think it was Tim, uh, that, was, uh, that came up with this idea of going into four-wheel low uh, I don't think he's doing anything fast. I don't think he's going doing it very long. Uh, I think in the big scheme of things, it probably isn't an issue. But I do appreciate the call. It is something worth uh, thinking about and uh, to consider if you're going to be trying something like this. And there's always, uh, I think, Josh, you mentioned last week a, uh, a, a two-wheel drive, I'm sorry, a, a two-wheel low kit for the MP231. Yeah, Steve 4.3 LXJ in our chat room gave us that tip live on the air as or live uh, in our chat while mm-hmm. we were on the air uh, and mentioned the uh, TerraFlex 2 low kit that you can add to any NP2 or NV231 transfer case. You know, I don't know why there's not more love for the NP242. Uh, uh, I love it. Love that four-wheel drive on the, the drive payment. Because I can, I can. We could have a whole episode about the 242 and the the love for it and the things that you can do to those things. I just wish are a nice transfer case. Yeah, I just wish you could put the wider chain uh, on the 242s like you can the 231s. You know, beef it up a little bit. All right. Anyway, let's get over to uh, Jeep Cherokee from stock to Wheeler LED headlights. You know them, you hate them, Uh, or or you love them if you've got some. Uh, LED stands for light emitting diode. Now LED lights are brighter and more efficient. Why? You may not care, but I'm going to tell you anyway. They are solid state, and most of the light uh, output is focused in one direction. You know, the incandescent bulbs, they kind of just go everywhere. They're they're slutty that way. So, But the, the LED lights, they're very focused, and you get a lot more light in one direction. Plus, since they're solid, solid state, less heat is generated, which is a form of loss of energy. 
Uh, I recently purchased a set of LED headlights from eBay. They were $85 shipped. Let me repeat that. $85 shipped. Much less than the money I spent for on IPF housings and ARB bulbs. The light output is amazing. <laughs> In fact, the light output is so bright, I had to dim them. Uh, if you're looking for a great off-road lighting from your headlights alone, I highly recommend these inexpensive headlights. Yes, I know they're, they're not $40 from uh, AutoZone or wherever you get like that, but for the LED, just the LED nature of them, they're extremely cost-effective. So if you're planning on using them on-road, I would recommend doing what I did and get a DC motor controller from eBay. Yes, a DC motor controller. Uh, but they do some uh, phase pulse modulation or some weird crap that allows LEDs to dim. Because remember, LEDs are solid state, they're diodes, and they're either on or they're off. So to get the effect of dimming, you have to quickly turn them on and off. So... 50% brightness or 50% dim would be half on, half off. And they have to flash fast enough so that your brain doesn't see that they're flashing. So uh, you can't just put in a resistor, kids. <laughs> you have to do some, use some technology. Now, fortunately, the DC motor controller from eBay was like 10 bucks shipped. So it wasn't a big deal. And you have to wire it into your uh, headlight wiring. With this, you'll be able to control from 10% to 100% of light output with just a simple turn of a knob. You know, uh, there's a lot more details on this than what I can really go into here on the show. So for more details and updated uh, details as I do more things uh, on these LED headlights, go to xjtalk.com and search for I'm Going LED Headlights. So, Josh, what have you done to improve the lighting on your Cherokee? We all know that that's always an issue with uh, the, the original 84 to 2001 uh, Cherokees. Oh, uh, yeah. One of the first mods I actually did to my Jeep uh, was in the, I think that was way before lift kit and anything else. Uh, I, I definitely went with the, um, the upgraded harness first and foremost uh, to, to get rid of that 10 volt feed to the headlights that come <laughs> stock on those things. Yeah. Uh, th that instantly made, uh, made a night and day difference, no pun intended. Um, but, uh, then I, that, that really wasn't enough to get the most out of that modification. I went to a, uh, went from the sealed beams to an H4 conversion. Now I didn't uh, go with the IPF housings like you did. I actually went with something off of Craigslist that was nearby oh, and nice. far less expensive. Uh, they've done well enough for me um, for what I've had to do. Now, they are a plastic or a polycarbonate lens, so they don't quite have the beam pattern and uh, the optics as a glass housing does. Uh, but for what I use it for, for what I do, it's good enough. Well, you recently, like within the last year, year and a half, uh, stopped using it as a daily driver. And I'm uh, at, right. the, at the time you left, I'm sure that you, you were driving uh, in the dark. So uh, I know seeing was important to you because uh, you weren't just dodging stationary trees. Yeah, no, and uh, you know, not like I have night blindness or anything like that. But I live out here in the Northwest, where we have a lot of inclement weather. So mm -hmm. fog, snow, rain, a lot of rain, road spray—you know that sort of thing. You're driving your Jeep at night. Well, especially if you don't have decent headlights, you're going to be in a lot of trouble real quick. So whether it's road hazards, potholes, or something else in the road, or just needing to see where the lines are, that really helps having some good light output. So, uh, of course, we're talking about on-road lighting. Do you think it's important to have good uh, lighting for off-road use? 
Uh, not only yes, but hell yes. <laughs> uh, I, I can't express to you how important it is to be able to see where you're going and where your tires are going, more importantly, uh, when you're off-road in the dark. Now, I don't wheel a whole lot at night. I just some really light trail running at night. If I got to get from point A to point B in the quickest way is off-road, uh, that sort of thing. You know, that sort of... But that's where auxiliary lighting comes in. Your headlights, frankly, are not going to cut it off-road. Now, they might be okay, but you really need a wider dispersal pattern, a little bit more diffusion uh, from something like auxiliary lighting up on your roof or, or you know, driving lights or something like that to really illuminate the terrain. You want to go a step further? Rock lights. Mm -hmm. Absolutely a must. Yeah, I think a lot of people think, well, I don't, I'm not off-road at night. And uh, as I've mentioned before, breakdowns do occur and you may find yourself... Uh, heading home and the pitch dark. So uh, upgrade those headlights. Now, now, Tammy, I know that your JKU is only about a year old, maybe a little older. Um, how well can you see at night? Has, has Jeep done better with uh, the, new, uh, the new Jeeps as far as uh, getting decent lighting? Well, you know, it's funny because I thought my lighting was better in my Wrangler um, than what I had before, which was the Dodge Journey. And recently, Within the past six month, months, um, uh, remember the college lady who contacted me and they were doing a paper on headlights with Jeep. Oh, that's right. And they were doing that study and I'm like, I really started paying attention more to my headlights because I thought they were better. And actually, you know, now that I paid more closer attention to it, I don't feel like they really are that great. So I've been thinking about doing LEDs and somebody actually brought up a point that in the winter... It's not as good because the snow starts sticking to them. And um, there's the whole um, talk about like heated LED lights. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. I just I can't go there. So, um, but yeah, I have thought about changing mine because I, you know, I thought they were better, but they're really not better than most vehicles compared to a Dodge Journey. Yes, they are, but. Um, mm hmm yeah, uh, that was, uh, I saw an interesting post from a guy up in Alaska where apparently they get a lot of wet uh, type of snow yeah. and he had LED headlights and, and he was concerned because uh, the further he drove, the less light he had because the, right, the, the, the water and the snow was icing it, up his uh, LEDs. So right. yeah, definitely a, a potential concern. Uh, now I did read in there that it was uh, less of an issue around the country, but Alaska seems to have uh, a very wet uh, type of snow during the year and, and uh, that environment. So I wouldn't let it turn, turn you off to it. And if you have some auxiliary lighting, uh, you can always uh, use those in conjunction. So anyway, LED, LED lighting, uh, I, uh, there's uh, a lot of information there on xjtalk.com. Now, of course, I own a Cherokee, so this is going to be the uh, I think uh, it's seven by six, the rectangular headlights, which would also work for a YJ. Uh, but there are LED headlights available for the Wranglers, the the rounders. And uh, I, I was looking at the TJ uh, to see if I could find some for my wife's TJ. And, uh, uh, you know, I was surprised they weren't in the $85 range. They were up around 170 Yikes. And there's same, absolutely. Same manufacturer, Tony? <clears throat> well, it was eBay. So uh, no telling. Uh, uh, I think there's only one. It's all from China. <laughs> but I was just really surprised. And I think the reason why the, the, the price difference was there is because one is newer and more expensive. 
It's like a guy getting a haircut or a woman getting a hair styling. It's going to be a $20 difference. <laughs> so that's just my opinion. I don't know. But I was just really surprised that there was such a huge price difference between the square headlights and the round headlights. Amazon.com and the Jeep Talk Show present You Bought What? what? Oh, what kind of dang deal is this, Josh? Oh, this is the good stuff, guys. Uh, we have an awesome little relationship set up with Amazon where we give you guys the opportunity to support the show simply by clicking on a link, jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. You can also find that link on our homepage on our show's website, also over at xjtalk.com and wranglertalk.com. Uh, clicking on that takes you directly to amazon.com where any purchase you make, we will get a small credit for uh, and we'll go straight to the show. Now, you're not going to get charged anymore. There's no markup. There's no additional thing. It's just a way to kind of stick it to the man and help us out at the same time. And, you know, I've been looking so forward to this because I've been thinking, yes, one of my items is going to be up there, but not so lucky. Anyway, Aww. so the first thing we have is a Best best Deck 400 hey. watt power. Did I say it right? Yeah. Power inverter with USB charging ports for $35. It's America's number one power inverter brand. Provides 400 watts of continuous DC to AC power and 1,000 watts of peak power. Powerful enough to run your laptop, digital camera, TV, fan, refrigerator, game console, DVD, Blu-ray <laughs> player, GPS lamps, and whatever else you may need when you're out there on the trails. Um, a 5A slash 4 port USB charging ports makes this power inverter ideal for charging your phones, tablets, and other USB power devices. Built and replaceable 30A and 32 volt two fuses and cooling fan for safety and easier maintenance. The power inverter has over voltage overload, over current, under voltage, overheating, and short circuit protection. Comes with 2.3 foot car cigarette lighter plug just so you can reach all the way to the back seat and a two foot black red battery clips. I do not know why you would need a wet sponge and torture rack, but I was those waiting are for it. Not included. I was waiting for it. I was going. You know, there's nothing in here. Josh didn't. I know. Didn't fancy it up. I'm like reading along. I'm like, oh wait a minute. You know, here. but I got to say, a 2.3 foot car cigarette cigarette lighter plug is not going to reach to the back seat unless you're in a renegade. Then it probably yeah. would. It right. probably would go all the way to the back bumper. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's talk about the the new. Uh, what is that? Latrical. Latrical. I oh. believe they are probably made in L.A. Since there's an emphasis on the first two letters, L.A. What to do with electrical? I thought you were going redneck there. Let's get some electrical <laughs> stuff. Electrical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the wires and such. Uh, anyway, the new electrical high output 250 amp alternator for GMC Chevrolet pickups. One hundred percent. Uh, new, not remanufactured, 250 amp high output, two plug in, uh, two pin plug regulator. Uh, the Latrical custom made for a 44 millimeter groove overdrive pulley included for free. Because what are you going to do with the alternator that doesn't have a free pulley? I mean, come on. Now, this is kind of cool that uh, somebody is upgrading the, uh, something in the, their non Jeep vehicle and they thought of us. So I'm wondering if this is a tow rig for a Jeep, though. Mm, could be. Cool. You remember what the price was? Uh, this one, uh, this one, God, I didn't put it in there. I, it was over $100. I, I think this was around $130, $140. Oh, that's so, not bad for 250 good amps. Good purchase. Yeah, no, good purchase right there. Yeah. Um, now, this, you guys know that I'm always on the lookout for cool tools and, and uh, things that make our lives a lot easier in the garage. 
This is uh, the Advanced Tool Design 2-inch encapsulated wire wheel. Now, the wire size is just 14 thousandths of an inch, has an arbor hole of a half inch, and it is a, well, a 2-inch wheel. Encapsulated wire wheel brushes feature an encapsulation or a material of sorts that gradually wears away to expose a consistent short trim for higher aggression, controlled brushing action, and longer life. Just what's needed to clean up your dirty undercarriage. <laughs> I guess so. Well, that's uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, we sure appreciate you guys going to Amazon.com and making those purchases. Uh, and uh, we've made it easier for you. You can just go to JeepTalkShow.com slash Amazon. It'll take you straight over there to the site. And any purchase that you make, we'll get a credit for it, get a few uh, pennies that we can rub together. And uh, hell, we may even be able to bu uh, buy some cookies and uh, and get them. So we'll have those free cookies to hand out to Josh every hundred uh, subscribers Woo. we get. <laughs> we just found out what you bought. Oh my God, I just can't believe that made it on the list. Well, hey, something else that you're not going to find on Amazon, but you probably want to buy nonetheless, is a good quality knife. LT Wright knives are handcrafted in Ohio. That means they're made right here in the USA. They're made with the finest locally sourced materials. They build everything from everyday carry to bushcraft and even overland specific. Everything that LTWK builds comes with a lifetime guarantee, just like most of my tools, and is designed from the ground up to be a solid working knife. Each piece is constructed with survival in mind, folks. Knives with a proven international pedigree that have been there and back. Bushcraft, hunting, camping, overland, and everyday carry models are all available. Their new Bushcrafter HC is an excellent example of an everyman knife able to do everything from help get the campfire started to skinning that game. Being made from 332nd's 1075 steel with a convex edge, you can even easily sharpen it in the field. These heirloom quality pieces will outlast your adventure, so plan well, drive safely, and carry an LTWK. For more information online, go to ltwrightknives.com. That's ltrightknives.com. So we have, uh, it's been a while, and uh, again, bitching and moaning uh, has uh, paid off, and uh, John has given us a, another Radio Com Tech, and boys and girls, it's video. All I had to do was say, hey, could you do it in video? And John said, sure. So here we go. Let's. Uh, oh, I'm so excited. Let's, uh, let's get into this. This is John, to and on today's Radio Com Tech, I'm going to comment on Cody's Grand Adventure segment where he talked about installing a CB radio in his Grand Cherokee. Now, Cody, the radio you picked is fine. Very versatile radio, can be used in or out of the vehicle quite easily. My only suggestion may be to run an external speaker. Um, I've heard those small type of radios may be hard to hear while in the vehicle. Of course, in a luxury Grand Cherokee, um, Outside noise may not be much of an issue as it is in a, a Wrangler, soft top Wrangler, or even a, an older Cherokee. Now, no ground plane antenna. Just say no. Not, shouldn't even be an option. <laughs> Jeeps have more than enough metal to act as a ground plane for a regular CB antenna. Even a, 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 a Wrangler with no metal top, and some don't even have full metal doors. There's still enough metal there. It may require what's called RF bonding, running braided ground straps from the hood to the vehicle, um, from the vehicle to the frame in the case of a Wrangler or a body on frame type vehicle. And even including the exhaust, run straps from the exhaust to the body of the vehicle can help as well. And this basically just ties all the components of the vehicle together and make a more adequate ground plane for a CB antenna now i've actually done this on my jeep for ham radio purposes because the antennas i run for the frequencies i use are considerably longer and require more ground plane and there are some added benefits as far as a um, lower noise floor the noise you hear on the radio 
uh, can go down. And also the RFI from the engine has gone down. Um, so there's added benefits there in addition to the uh, bigger ground plane. Speaking of antennas, the best antenna you can run, like Tony said, is a 102-inch whip with a 6-inch spring or a 108-inch whip with no spring. But unfortunately, that is a long antenna, and a lot of people don't like having that much antenna sticking above their vehicle. I personally don't mind um, because it is the best option there is. So most people will run a shorter antenna, but the shorter the antenna, the more of a compromise it is. And the shorter it is, the more narrow banded it is, which means on channel 19 or 20, you may have a pretty good SWR, but towards channel 1 and channel 40, it may be a little higher than you would like. And unfortunately, there's not much you can do about it. It's just the nature of a short antenna. A longer antenna will be have a flatter SWR curve. If you're going to run a short antenna, have a much, as much of that antenna above the body of the vehicle as you can. On top of the vehicle is going to be the best option. If you don't want to do that, um, I'd probably run it on a, um, a fender lip mount where it's above the hood. Again, RF bond the hood to the rest of the body and that'll actually work pretty well. The next option would be a, a, a tail light um, mount. But if you're running a short, you know, two foot, three foot antenna, you may not get enough of that antenna above the body of the vehicle um, to have much forward, uh, forward signal. You'd be directed mostly to the back. And then not only that, the vehicle would bounce signal back towards the antenna and potentially cause a higher SWR, um, which could be hard to, hard to correct, um, with that type of mount and a short antenna. Next is coax. Um, you don't need 18 feet of coax regardless of what you may read or what CB shop may tell you. Um, that, that whole myth is really to, um, mask an improperly mounted antenna. So you and your radio may see a low SWR, but your antenna really doesn't have that low SWR and is really not any more efficient um, than it was with a high SWR. You're only tricking yourself in the radio. You only need as much coax to go from coax to go from the radio to the antenna with a little slack in, in there for some adjustment. Um, as long as you have a properly mounted antenna and a mount good body you know, metal to metal contact, um, should be, should be fine. If you do end up with some extra coax, coiling it up is fine. Again, regardless of what CB shop may tell you or what you read online, it's not going to choke your signal. We actually use that in ham radio to choke off signals, stray signals that may come onto the outside shield of the coax. Your signal is on the middle, um, conductor of the coax, which is shielded. So it's not going to choke your signal at all. It's fine. Other than that, um, that's really, really the basics. Um, but, uh, Cody, if you have any questions, you know how to get a hold of me. If anybody else has any questions, feel free to shoot me an email at prerunner1982 at yahoo.com or hit me up on XJ Talk under prerunner1982. How'd you like to win $10,000 in parts for your own Jeep Wrangler from extremeterrain.com and we install them for you? Head over to extremeterrain.com forward slash win and enter weekly for your chance to completely transform your Jeep. You pick the parts and extremeterrain.com will build it. Extreme Terrain is giving one lucky Wrangler owner the ultimate shopping spree at extremeterrain.com. The winner will be able to completely overhaul their own TJ, YJ, or JK. Whether it's getting your Jeep ready for the rocks at Moab or creating your own ultimate street off-road hybrid, the only limit is what you could imagine with 10 grand worth of Jeep parts from ExtremeTerrain.com. 
from lift kits to body armor, lighting, wheels, and tires. You dream it, ExtremeTerrain.com will build it. Again, enter weekly at ExtremeTerrain.com forward slash win for your chance at this amazing shopping spree from your Jeep aftermarket authority, ExtremeTerrain.com. I remember that guy. He was, uh, was from trucks. Say. He was yeah. from Trucks, wasn't he, on uh, yeah, the, uh, the Power Nation or whatever it was called at the time? Power Block TV or something like that. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah he was the uh, host of the uh, Truck segment uh, right mm-hmm. after uh, Ian and the Extreme 4x4. Always, so. always enjoyed him. And uh, in Absolutely. fact, I, I think uh, they actually did a cheap uh, Jeep uh, Cherokee build. They sure did. Which was really fun. And uh, I think I uh, actually tried reaching out to him, but I had a hell of a time just finding some way to contact him. So uh, that because uh, I wanted to do an interview with him, and uh, the, the, of course that never happened. Um, but uh, I guess I could have tried harder. I could have uh, done a little social engineering on the phone and uh, w- wiggled my way uh, to, into contact with him. But uh, didn't do that. Sorry, guys. But uh, hell, now that we've got uh, an end with extreme terrain, maybe we can contact him. Hmm. Perhaps <laughs> that would be nice uh, to have him on the show. Absolutely, yeah. Especially just, if nothing else, talk about the, uh, the the cheap Jeep Cherokee builds that they did. I think they even put a stroker in that thing, a mild stroker. <laughs> you just it's Jeep porn. I'm sorry. I know. I could see it was like uh, watching Brainstorm, where the guy uh, had it uh, had the sex stuff looped, and every once in a while he would just go into. <laughs> anyway, old old movie reference. Push play. Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G Mama. Tammy wants to press play for the bass. Um, I just want a quick mention about um the segment we just had with Pre Runner 1982. You know, I coil my um cable for my CB, and I just. That never dawned on me that that might affect um, the whole CB stuff. But from what he says, it doesn't. So good to know. Yeah. Anyway, um, getting into your lifted Jeep in three easy steps. That's what it's all about. Um, You know, since my recent changes with my Jeep, um, it's lifted, by the way, in case you missed it. (laughs) Getting in and out has been somewhat comical for myself. I'm five foot six. And I'm not really that, I mean, I'm not short and I'm not tall, but um, I've embarrassed myself quite a bit trying to climb in and out into my much higher driver's seat. So I decided, you know what, I better come up with a plan and do this so I don't look like such a fool. So I've created my getting into a lifted Jeep plan in three easy steps. You can also see this on my blog at www.jeepmama.com that I just posted um, Today, first step is you place your right foot, if you're getting into the driver's seat, onto your rock sliders or your sidestep. And if you don't have one, then you're just out of luck. So hopefully you have them. Second step is you take your right hand and you grab onto your grab handles onto that are on your roll bar. And I suggest you have really strong grab handles because some of my friends on Google Plus have had grab handles and they have done this same thing and they have broken their grab handles because maybe they need to be on a diet or something. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> oh, so, wow. I know. Never mind. I didn't say that. Anyway, mine are from EK Motorsports and they're they're pretty sturdy. Um, I Hopefully they can 
um, support my weight. But anyway, so you have your hand on your grab handle, you have your foot on your um, side steps or your rock sliders, and you push with your right foot and you pull with your hand and you swing your bottom, your rear, onto the driver's seat and there you go, you're off. So anyway, that was my little thing because on my blog today because I just was really embarrassing myself trying to climb in and out of my Jeep. And funny, today we got our driveway done, so we are not allowed to park on our driveway for a couple days because we got new asphalt put on. So I parked my Jeep, which hopefully I'll post these pictures tomorrow on Facebook. So I parked in our, like, we have like a little ditch. So I'm like flexed a little and I get ready to get out of the Jeep and I'm like, holy crap, that's a long way down because of the way <laughs> yeah. the Jeep was tilted. My driver's door was way up and my passenger was way down. So that was a, a real shocker. So um, also this week on my blog, I talked about my new storage system on my tailgate um, with the mole panel. And I also showed off something new that I've gotten done to my my body, which is my new Jeep tattoo, and you can check that out on my um, Facebook page. And Tony and Josh, I have a little request to make. Um, can I please take off next Thursday as I need to go to bed really, really early because I'm going to be heading out to Roush Creek to test out my new lift. I'm getting a private off-road instruction class with Kyle um, at Roush Creek, and I'm really, really excited to see how my new lift works out. So, can I have the night off? So, Tammy, uh, you recently started uh, working. You're back in the workforce. Uh, I mean, you've always been working because you were taking care of raising kids. But right, uh, right. You're, you're recently back in the workforce. And if you were uh, going to your job, the place that you you know to make the money from, and said, I have an opportunity to go play tomorrow. <laughs> And I would rather and I would rather go play than come to work. Would you feel comfortable in asking I already, them off? I already <laughs> asked them off and one of one of the owners of the company is considering coming with me. Oh, oh what a suck up. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because he and his friend, um, they in their spare time, they like build race cars. Mm-hmm. So Anyway, yes, I feel comfortable asking them, and they've already given me the day off. So, well, since you uh, don't actually work here, of course you uh, right. will. Uh, and and actually, uh, Tammy was kind enough to uh, ask us about this uh, last week, I believe it was. And Cody will be filling in for uh, for Tammy next week. So, episode two thirty two. Feel feel free to uh, join us and uh, get a little uh, Cody uh, Trailchasers dot net action going. So I really wanted to, uh, while Tammy was, uh, you know, you put your right foot on the rock, and I was like, right foot in, and your right foot right out. out. You could have started playing the whole song. I was going to go with a twister reference there for, you know, you know left hand blow. <laughs> <laughs> you should have. Feel free. No, but it was, I was like, oh my God, I was like making a fool out of myself. Eh, you worry too much. It, nah, so. it's, it'll become muscle memory soon enough, and right. uh, you'll be able to get in and, in and out of any lifted rig really easy. Yeah. So have you have you noticed any muscle um, uh, soreness because of the new motions that you have to go through to get in inside the the Jeep? No, not oh, yet. Oh, good, yeah, good. So. That it probably yeah. won't happen then. But you know, actually, <clears throat> you know, I posted um, the blog promoting it on Google Plus, and um, one of the guys who lives in the north, 
And he says, it's really, because he says, well, how do you get out of your Jeep? And I'm like, you need to come up with steps to get out of your Jeep. And I'm like, you know, yeah, you really do. Because right now I'm just kind of sliding out of my Jeep. But in the wintertime, and I, Josh may know this, but Tony, you probably have never experienced this. But in the wintertime, your outside of your Jeep is filthy with the salt and the mud and the yuck. And sliding out of your Jeep is not a good idea because you're going to get all that on your clothes. So I'm going to have to come up with a plan in the winter on how to like carefully jump out of my Jeep onto icy pavement <laughs> yeah, and not slip and thinking. fall and hit my head on the rock slide. You're going to need uh, spikes on those shoes. Right. And right. Which, which will go with the tattoos so it'll work out. Right, right. So. <laughs> okay. Lots of fun. Always fun uh, having a, a lifted Jeep and learning how to deal with it. Uh, it's something that I recommend for everyone. Now let's get over to Tech Talk uh, with Jeep Talk and Josh, Northwest 99XJ. Uh, we're going to talk about how to install a rope ladder into your Jeep. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, uh, if you are in this situation where perhaps you were looking for a battery upgrade and you turned to Craigslist, or maybe you were looking for uh, to add a second battery or something like that, you turned to, a, uh, to a, somebody who sells used batteries and you bought yourself a used Optima battery. You get it home, you hook it all up, and nothing. Now what? What do you do? You just spent some good hard-earned money on a dead battery, basically. And uh, a dead battery is a dead battery, right? Should be thrown out, right? Well, in the case of Optimus, not so much. The technology of the AGM or dry cell batteries, uh, they don't use the lead acid, the, the whole electrolysis to create energy. They're basically a big bank of capacitors. Uh, they store and discharge energy at a regulated rate. And depending on which model you go with of these type of batteries, uh, they have a very, very deep cycle rating. As long as though there is nominal voltage on there, I'm talking even a volt or two left on the battery, you can bring it back to life as good as new. It can be done, and here's how you do it. You will, of course, need a battery charger in order to make this happen, not a trickle charger. It needs to have at least a 10-amp setting. 2-amp isn't going to cut it, and, well, 50 amps is going to be a little bit too much for this procedure. Uh, so if you have something around 10 amps or even 15 amps, that'll work just fine. What you need to do is have another battery and a set of jumper cables handy or a set of, uh, you know, little bus bars or something like that. Any, anything that you can hook up one side of one battery to the other side of the other battery. We're going to hook up the positive one battery to the positive of the other battery, negative to negative, so on and so forth. What, you're, what this is going to do is it's going to lie to the battery charger and tell it that it has a battery hooked up to it that has enough voltage to start accepting the charge. Now, if you try and do this without the second battery and you hook it up just to your dead Optima, well, nothing's going to happen. Most battery chargers nowadays, hey, they have smart technology. They can tell what you're trying to do, and they uh, will prevent you from blowing yourself up or starting a fire. Now, if you have a really, really old charger, one that uh, you still on a cart and probably has a crank on the side or something, like no. um, it, unless you have a very, very old battery charger, uh, you're going to need to follow this procedure. So with the two batteries hooked up in parallel, that again, that is positive to positive, negative to negative. You're going to hook it up to your battery charger and let it do, it do its thing. Once it gets up to about 8 or 9 volts or so, uh, depending on some chargers will actually need to see about 10 volts, you can go ahead and disconnect the other battery. Now, I would leave it like this hooked up with the two batteries for a good hour, hour and a half. Check the voltage with a digital multimeter or other uh, voltage measuring device. And, uh, and do this often, about every couple hours or so, until you reach that, uh, that you know, 8, 9, 10 volt range or so. 
Once you get to that point, you can go ahead and disconnect the second battery, hook the charger up to the one battery only, and just let it go. And I would let it go all night long, uh, and just yeah. to make sure that that thing is really getting all the juice that it can. Once that happens, guys, that battery will be as good as new. Now, this will not work for a standard lead-acid battery. In fact, you could probably damage yourself, the charger, uh, or worse case scenario, you blow something up trying to do this with a lead-acid battery. Once a lead-acid battery has been deep-cycled, guys, it is time to have that one go back to the factory for reconditioning. Uh, but if you have an AGM, a dry cell battery, something like an Optima, doesn't have to be an Optima, it just has to be a, like an AGM battery or um, or of that dry cell battery technology, then you can resurrect a dead battery back from the brink and have it be as good as new. And uh, for proof, guys, I actually recently did this with uh, an old yellow top that I had laying around. It wasn't really old. It was actually brand new. The problem was is that I let it sit for about four years before I ever did anything with it. And over that time, I never once put a trickle charge on it. So when I went to go hook it up and it was expecting some voltage, well, lo and behold, I had a whopping four and a half volts on that battery. So... I thought I was doomed. I thought I was going to have to throw that one out, spend another 350 some odd bucks to buy another yellow top Optima. But through a little bit of research and a little bit of digging, I actually found a tech article from Optima themselves on how to recondition it and bring back to life an old Optima battery. So I hope this has helped out you guys. And if you have an old Optima or an old dry cell battery laying around that uh, you thought is dead, well, by all means, guys, try this out. I've actually seen it work in person with a battery that was over a decade old. That's right. Most batteries only last about five to seven years. This one was over 10, had a standing voltage of less than eight, and brought it back to life. You can do this too, guys. All you need is a battery charger, a second battery, and a set of jumper cables, and you can bring an old dry cell battery back to life. Hope this helps, guys. If you have any tech questions that you would like answered here on this week, or on, I'm sorry, on Tech Talk with Jeep Talk, follow me, send us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. Just put in the subject line, Tech Talk. Is Josh doing his announcer thing around the campfire again? Yeah, always well, Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> over here by the campfire, we... No, Hey, you know, you'd, you'd appreciate this. Uh, we got an email at the new job the other day, and uh, the uh, the president and uh, CFO decided they would come up with Ferris Bueller days off. Oh, what do you mean? Bueller. Well, it was uh, the 30th anniversary of the Ferris Bueller movie, and right. they thought it would be a good idea to uh, give uh, some Ferris Bueller's day offs so that you didn't actually have to request it. All you had to do is to oh. send a text message to your... Uh, manager and say, hey, I'm taking a Ferris Bueller day off, and that's it. There's no recording of it. Uh, HR doesn't know about it. You just take off. And, <laughs> and you know, Ferris Bueller's day off was one day, but they gave us two. So uh, I thought that was really cool. That's but, very cool. Yeah, but of course, uh, I sent out, there, there were several people responding to that email in a comical way, and I, I just had to jump in there and point out that uh, Ferris Bueller was actually off nine days. Nine. There you go. Nine. Like he two was, weeks of vacation. Almost. He was. Uh, he had been absent that uh, that year, I believe, nine times. <laughs> nine times. <laughs> Josh and I like the nine times thing. <laughs> nine. So anyway, I'm gonna let me talk a little bit more about some of this LED, this hot LED activity that I've uh, been involved in. Are, are you guys interested at all in LED headlights? Is it is it just me? I'm a big flashlight and and, and watch guy. I've been that way since I was little. You know, yeah, I'm torn this. because I think they're really good for the person behind the wheel. But if I'm coming at you, I want to shoot your lights out. 
because it's so blinding. Right, but don't you want to fight back by having bright lights too? Why do you want to be the wimp? No, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> no, it is it is reasonable to be concerned about the the other people on the road. Uh, but uh, I don't know about uh, in Maryland, Tammy, and, and of course state law, I think, um, and how they enforce the law makes a big difference about whether or not you want right. to go with these lights. Uh, but uh, <laughs> here in Texas, it's I see people driving around with these, these blinding white lights that are HID or something. I see them driving around with those things all the time. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I the one that has to have the dim headlights? Why, why am I the one that can't have uh, the brighter headlights? And, I, and I'm not concerned about how it looks. I like it that I can see better. Right, right. And in the rain, when everything is, is you know darker because the, uh, the moisture has caused, caused the surface to darken, I can see those lines better. I can just see the street better. It's just, it's just safer uh, for me, anyway, behind the wheel driving. Now, I know for us in Maryland, I think I can have like my headlights, but I can only have one. I don't know about LED laws, but I know I can have one more light. So on my off-roading lights, I can only have one of them on. Interesting. But I can't have both. Of, you know how I have the two on the side. So how about um, the people using the driving lights that have the headlights on and the, the, the driving lights? That would be four, wouldn't it? Well, you know, I don't know about that. I think... Running board, whatever you may, may be equipped with each side of the vehicle with no more than one running board courtesy lamp. Oh, so that would be on the side. Yeah. So I don't know about the, the I don't know. I might yeah. need to look into. So I, uh, I, I, I just try to keep the lights off. Sometimes it's, uh, it's hard to do. Uh, I mean, when I say the lights, I mean the additional lights off. But uh, the, the really cool thing, I'd been running those seven inch LEDs, uh, that I put on that were kind of low. They're, eh, they're about even with the headlights, I suppose. And I've been running those with the, uh, the incandescent headlights that I had, uh, in there. And, uh, it, it gave me a nice wide pattern, like what Josh was talking about and would light up the sides, uh, very nicely. So you could see the curbs and, uh, the, the white light also made the white, uh, stripes a lot brighter on the, the highway and the, the, the streets. And uh, with these new LED headlights, man, I just feel really bad if I turn on more LED lighting because <laughs> these things are so bright. <laughs> I, I would be curious to, to see what the, uh, the tally of lumens is on the front of your Jeep. Yeah, I should, uh, I should add that up. Uh, I mean, just for grins and giggles, you know, uh, just bragging rights. Well, I got more lumens than you. <laughs> <laughs> Turning lemons into lumens. There you go. Um, so, uh, yeah, lots of fun. Uh, I really enjoy it. And, uh, hopefully, uh, I won't, uh, yeah, it took me about a week. I drove, I drove it about a week with it hundred <clears throat> percent brightness and it took me a little time to do research and find out how I could actually dim those things down. Uh, I think I was very lucky to find a post, uh, somewhere on the interwebs where they were talking about using a, a DC motor control, uh, to, uh, control the brightness. And uh, it worked like a champ, and it didn't cost me very much because some of those other LED, quote unquote LED dimmers were quite expensive. Uh, but I think it's like those HD antennas. It's still a coat hanger, but it's HD, so it's going to cost you forty nine ninety five. <laughs> anyway, I'm enjoying the the lighting, and uh, I do need to dim it down uh, just a tad more. It also makes me think about uh, going to Amazon.com, JeepTalkShow.com slash Amazon, and looking to see if there are any um, uh, light detectors so that I could actually measure the light output. Uh, I guess the first thing I'd have to do is find out what this... You sure are a nerd. <laughs> the first thing I'd have to do is uh, find out what the uh, the official light output should be for uh, 
uh, on-road stuff. Uh, of course, if you get DOT-approved lighting, then you don't generally have this issue. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Always check with your state laws, guys, before you make any lighting upgrades. Hate to have you lose your vehicle because of uh, improperly installed or improper uh, devices installed on the Jeep. Yeah, but you know where it was because of the bright lights. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, uh, my first drive since August of 2015 in the Jeep. That's right. My Jeep wow. has rolled since the first time in uh, since August of last year. Uh, I have in the last few weeks. Now, guys, it's been probably a month or so since we've actually had a campfire side chat, so I haven't yeah. been able to tell you guys about this, but uh, the Jeep has been done more or less and back on the road for a little while. Now, I say back on the road. It's not my daily driver anymore, so um, it just basically is ready to play at this point. For the most part. Now, um, everything that I'm not going to recap everything that I've done because the list is quite long. Now, what I've done recently, though, added the second battery system that is done. The intake system, the cowl intake is done. The electrical system, basically all done. I've got a couple of other things that I want to move over from one battery system to the next. Um, things like my underhood lighting, I would like to put on the auxiliary battery. I would like to move the stereo um, to the auxiliary battery. Right now, the amp is on the auxiliary battery, but the stereo is still on the factory wiring. That'll get moved here eventually. Um, I did have an issue with the stereo. Uh, I was having only one speaker that was working. I uh, took off both door panels, uh, removed both speakers, uh, uh, did an ohm test on both of them, test resistance across the voice coil. Um, I was only hearing my front driver's side uh, speaker, uh, and uh, it needed some love. So I <laughs> ended up uh, not having to replace all the speakers, and instead uh, just ended up having an RCA cable that I needed to... Uh, that I need to, to rerun. So um, that was easy. Uh, old lights off, new lights are on. The LEDs, uh, LED upgrade has happened. Now, I didn't do the LED headlights like Tony did. I did, however, put on a 50-inch light bar on the roof Ooh. rack where my 455-watt um, uh, ones were, and I uh, put on a pair of uh, pods in the back for reverse lights. So uh, also finally got around to installing my homemade uh, sunroof control module. Uh, that I had built like a year ago. My sunroof hasn't worked in like about a year or so. Uh, it is now working flawlessly. And I'll have a write-up oh, on how I did that and how you could build your own here very soon up on xjtalk.com. Excellent. Tammy, what you got? Well, last week I showed a picture of my rear and of my Jeep. Um, and there was some talk. And I also posted this picture on Google Plus and Facebook. And everyone was like, oh, my God, what is that? It's the sway bar bracket. Um, and they're like, you know, that's like cheap. And somebody called it janky. So I was like freaking out a little bit. And I, um, so I called my Jeep dealer, the, the place where I got my... Um, my lift done and my the sway bar links were rubbing my tires so that's why they put the sway bar bracket on so anyway just to let everyone know i'm cool with the sway bar bracket i'm going to go with it i have every faith in the place that did my lift and i'm going to be fine and not every jeep is the same and everybody's jeep is going to have different things done to it and I'm okay with the sway bar bracket, and it's going to work. And I was flexing out in my ditch. And, <laughs> you know, it, and if it doesn't work, I will get new wheels, and I will get the sway bar links. But, you know, it's going to be fine with the type of wheel in I did. We had a whole conversation on what I want for my Jeep. So, 
anyway, I'm good. I had a little meltdown for a little bit, but it's all good. The Jeep modification is never complete. So right. uh, I'm sure you'll be, uh, you can always replace those things later with some uh, uh, Swaybar And I have the links. I'll have the links. They're there. I yeah. can switch out whatever I need to switch out. And just, I also have the stock exhaust, which is a major component on the Wrangler. A lot of people change their exhaust out, which my exhaust has a lot to do with all those back components as oh, well. Okay. Excellent. Well, so. All right. Well, great. Uh, fun having the uh, campfire side uh, uh, segment back here again. Hopefully we can continue on uh, with this in the future. But for now, we're going to get over to Josh and Wheeling Ware. Well, the ANA Auto Stores presents the 29th annual Summer Four Wheel Jamboree Nationals, happening July 8th through the 10th. That's right, it is a three day event over at the Bloomsburg Fairgrounds in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. For more information, head over to fourwheeljamboree.com. This is a four wheel off road jamboree. Be sure to visit the website for more information about the Monster Truck Show that's going to go on at the same time, as well as a plethora of other off road activities. Also, the Carolina Full Size Jeep Club presents the Full Size Jeep East Coast Invasion happening June 9th through the 12th, Uwari National Forest over in Troy, North Carolina. For more information, head over to cfsjc.com. That's cfsjc.com. Family-friendly, family full-size Jeep event for camping, meeting friends, and riding trails. Last week, guys, we gave Gary Perkins and his fellow off-roaders, the Woodland Warblers, a special Jeep talk show shout-out. Even told you guys where to go to check out their latest shenanigans. If you'd like to have your club mentioned here on the show, do what Gary did and send me an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. Let me know where who you are, where you're from, and a link to your club site, social media page, or event that you have coming up, and we'll be sure to give it a special mention on the show. Hey, and real quick, Josh and Tony, I just want yeah. to mention to you, CPO, um, met up with that guy from Force Protection to wrap his whole vehicle. Oh, okay. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's going to be this weekend, which Monday will be too late. But anyway, I'm hoping to get with the CPO to get some pictures, video. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Yes. They're going to have a booth at Jeep Jam. Um, so, so the look forward to seeing. So they were able to get the whole Jeep talk show logo on, on the Jeep, right? <laughs> you know, I, I we're on a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Chris sent me, CPO sent me some pictures, so hopefully we'll have that all next week on the show. But if you're out in Virginia, it's at the Jeep Jam. (laughs) And if you guys are online, make sure you head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Jeep Talk Show. We are, of course, over on the YouTube, youtube.com slash Jeep Talk Show, at Jeep Talk Show, hashtag Jeep Talk Show over on the Twitter. And of course, if you want to help out the show, jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. Yes, yes. We really appreciate that. Every time you guys go to the Amazon.com uh, uh, website and uh, remember us first. So, uh, d- d- Josh mentioned the Twitter. i uh, been having lots of Twitter activity. If you follow us on uh, the Twitter, uh, that's at Jeep Talk Show, you'll notice that we've been pr- posting up a lot of great Jeep pictures. Uh, we actually retweeted a, uh, a young lady that uh, changed out her electric fan i think it was in her cherokee and she was so happy that she had done it all by herself she said she even burped the uh the radiator so it's something that everybody can do not just uh manly men hey and everybody can leave us a five-star review and a comment over on itunes all you got to do is find us over on itunes and subscribe anyway you guys have a great jeep week i'm sorry josh we're out of time (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Too bad, so sad. <laughs> you know, if we had a plan, plan that right, we could have. You know, I could have said that. You could have gone. You know, looked at me like a go to hell look, and Tammy's yeah. like, "What about uh, me?" Uh, <laughs>
Oh man, I'm just gonna have to start going last. I was gonna say we should like change it up. Yeah, I should just turns. I should just go last because like <laughs> Tony, Josh, Tammy, Josh, Tammy, Tony, Tammy, Tony, Josh. <laughs>